0: Welcome to Talk Story, giving space for stories unheard. We at Talk Story are focused on showing creativity as a universal mindset through storytelling. I'm your host, Alec Brownridge. Climbing, turning challenges into opportunities to realize one's full potential. For part two of this chapter, you met a filmmaker who has overcome various health and cultural obstacles.
1: Hey, this is Chinwei Corey.
0: <laughs> all right, well, he's one of those options. Because of the challenges Wei has faced throughout her life, she's driven to be an impactful woman of color in the film industry.
1: Well, I guess you can go all the way back to being, um, to just the discovery of, uh, of this tumor I had when I was a kid. When I was three in Nigeria, and the earliest memory I had was um, going, okay, so going back, my mom um, moved to America uh, in 95 and um, then brought us all back, Came brought us to America in 97. So uh, the first three years of my life, I didn't know my mom. Like, I mean, I didn't know my mom. I knew I had a mom, but it was just like this glimpse of like, I don't know who she is. And I remember when she came back to visit for like a holiday and she came back to visit and and the whole commotion was, oh, look how thick she is now. And that's a compliment in our culture. Like my mom was super skinny and I'm Nigerian, by the way. And uh, she came back and everyone's talking about how thick she was. And she and then she looked at me and she was just like, who is she? Like, who am I? Uh, Because I had a growing tumor in the right side of my face. And it's um, then we found out. When um, we, she brought us to America uh, that I had and we went to uh, uh, we went to John Hoskin in Baltimore and we found out it was uh, a benign tumor. So it's not it wasn't cancerous, um, but it was called fibros dysplasia. And I just remembered that moment when she looked at me and like uh, like I kind of was kind of confused because no one else addressed it, but she addressed it. And I I feel like I was lied to for the first three years of my life, because for the first three years, I was like the most confident kid, like very loud, boisterous. And then when she drawed attention to like this tumor, then I kind of like welted into like this, oh, don't see me anymore kind of person.
0: Even though this tumor was not cancerous, there were still medical procedures that took place.
1: Before um, this year, I had two tumors. One in October 10, 2004. I remember these dates really well. Um, and the second one was May 21st, 2012. And each tumor was to shave down. Um, it's, fibrous dysplasia is like a bone deformity that grows and displaces its, um, tissues. And uh, it, it at one point, it shifted um, my face and uh, screwed up. Um, my teeth and everything but it was benign so it didn't it didn't harm anything it just made me aesthetically unpleasing to look at this uh, th- this recent tumor was to re- move as much as possible without getting to the optic, because it went all the way back to my um ner- back nerves mm. and they didn't want to get too far deep because i could go blind mm. and um this surgery though did have complication um. Because they had to take some skin graft. Because they had to remove, my, remove like my top teeth to get to it. So I don't have teeth as of right now. Because we're, we're in another phase. Um, they had to rebuild the gum on the roof of my mouth. So they had to take a skin graft. And through that um, skin graft, uh, they had to also um, transport blood vessel. And that's where the complication happened. And then that's why I'm in this limbo phase where... Uh, in between the teeth process because they had to wait for everything to heal uh, uh, with the blood vessel. Um, for some reason, it, was, there was, it, was, it kept cl- clouding. And now I've, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just still waiting for the swelling to go down so they can put teeth back in.
0: <laughs> Before all these surgeries, she faced challenges while attending grade school in the US.
1: When we moved to America, that's then I got all, like, kind of teased because I'm this Nigerian girl with, uh, at the beginning of my life, I did have an accent, so I had the Nigerian accent, and I had all these, like, derogative name, like African booty scratcher being called at me. And on top of that, I had a tumor on my face, and people were just, like... So mean to me, um, but then you know they warmed up. After, I mean, after a while, you get to know me. It's either you love me or hate me. But luckily in Baltimore, people really liked me. Um, this the tumor has been my identity the whole for I guess from ages three to now, and I'm 25. Uh, it's formed my insecurities, but in but also f- pivoted um, this dream I had it to be an actress, and I I never pursued it because I had this insecurity of being looked at. I don't want to be looked at. I want, um, I guess not, I just wanted to be, I just want to disappear and no, like no one to notice me. Um, and then, um, when I went into college, oh, well, I guess in high school, I, I, I did some play. And I guess I did really well because one of the seasoned veteran was like, you're so good. Like, I want to tell the director so they can put you on the next one. And, I was, and it got me my hopes up. Um, but I never got to the next one because it was like colorism and, you know, like um, the role. They, it, basically, they wanted a white woman and I wasn't white. Uh, it was, uh, that was my first introduction to like that weird politics of um, race and color and all that
0: thing. Chinwe's first theatrical performance was a special moment she shared with her father. This, plus the experiences within her family, propelled her to explore the world of film through the eyes of a director.
1: Well, it was really special, the first uh, play I did, it was the first and the last my dad saw me in a play because he was dying from ALS. And it was really cool that he, um, we shared that moment because he was the reason why I got into um, entertainment. Me and him, um, the first year we moved to America, um, our bonding situation where we watched VHS movies, and the first movie we ever watched was Titanic, and that's where my love of film came in. Like I saw Leo and I thought, not because he was like to me, yeah, he was good looking, but it was like he like captivated, he drew my attention from the beginning. Like, I don't know. There was like he had so much charisma. And like, I, I went through so many stages of emotion, like through this portrayal of playing Jack. I was like, I want to do this. this is what I want. Like, I, I will give up like whatever you want. Like, I just want to do this for the rest of my life. And my dad was very encouraging. But then, you know, um, but my mom was like, no, we are in this country to have a better life. And your path to like, um, you know, greatness is to be either engineer, doctor or lawyer. Like. And it's ironic in our culture. Uh, we're very Nigerians are really rich in culture. Um, uh, if you ever met Nigerians, they're so loud and like, colorful, and uh, they're just so much comedy and like stuff that comes in just like the presence of a Nigerian. But um, but they submer- submerse that for for something else it, that's not them and. Uh, so that's something that my mom was like discouraging a lot but then my dad was like like tugging me, like, hey, like you can you can do it. You like it doesn't matter like what people say, like you can do it. And um he always try to push me to be uh, an actor, but I couldn't do it because I didn't want people to see me. I, and then and then in college, um then I got a harsh lesson of like that the whole thing about race and stuff like that. I decided, hey, uh, I'm just gonna learn how to write and direct. So, cause I, I didn't want to give up the dream of being in film, cause I didn't have any backup plan. I didn't, and I didn't want to, cause I just didn't want to settle. Like, I didn't want to settle for anything that made me miserable. And uh, and I saw there was a lack of uh, people behind the camera. As much as there's lack of diversity on front of the camera, there's so much lack of diversity behind the camera, and there are the people who call the shots. And I, I, I had, I had to, I had, I felt like I had this responsibility. Now I have to be a director. I have to be a damn good director now. And that's one thing I've always stuck with me, I mean, cause I don't like mediocracy. Like, I don't like when people applaud, like, oh, like everybody should, like, I don't know, should get, um, a medal. Like, no, like, I think if you're really good, you, there, there's, there's not, no comparison. Everyone's gonna know you're really good. Um, but yeah uh, it was it was it actually it was my my dad's death or dying, and us watching how how uh how short life can really be
0: this desire to be the best and not accept mediocrity requires constant motivation.
1: What keeps me hungry, i guess um it could be a couple fold my parents being one of it, um giving leaving that promise to my father that I want to make him proud um my mom cuz i want to prove her that this can, this can actually be done um cuz so i i don't like when people um you know think that i i don't what's what's the word i don't like when people think that i'm not capable of something and that's always bothered me all through my life because um when i was a kid like uh, people kept thinking I was going to Oh, these parents oh, sorry not his parents these teachers thought I was going to be held back for two two grades because I couldn't catch on to the English language or like things like that and I kept proving them wrong like no I'm going to graduate on time it's like I don't like when people underestimate me so that's one thing um and then I'm always hungry because there's this new wave of like entertainers like Issa Rae and um Donald Glover and all those people are doing things and I'm and they're they look like me and so, I know it's achievable if I can keep climbing that. Like, uh, it's just like I have them as my finish line.
0: In the pursuit of her goals, Chenwei has turned challenges into opportunities.
1: My mom's favorite uh, saying to me, because I want when to, I, when, I, when I'm in my dramatic mood, um, she's always saying this thing say, life is not a bed of roses. So, so, and, and in retrospect, I've always been like, "Okay, well, how am I going to turn it into a turn, flip it, around, flip it around, and say like, make it make your roses?" Um, so back to the opportunities where if I I could, you know, if I could like be my be locked in my room and say like, "Oh my God, no, uh, like, I'm just the most ugliest person in the world. I'm not going to do anything with my life because I'm so hideous," whatever. But I, I, what I've learned in my 25 years is that I can't, I can't let myself down like that. Like I, I know I'm, I know I'm better than that. So I have to like keep creating opportunities for myself, even no even though if I think other people are not going to create it for me. And that's one, one thing, um, I'm glad I got into directing and writing is that I'm creating my own destiny instead of relying on other people. Uh, I can't, I can't be on the phone. I can't be on like waiting by the phone and hopefully somebody like texts me or call me like, hey, I have this like role for you, like whatever. And like, no, I, I'm going to, I have to create it because I am not, I can't put all my coins in other people to, to do that for me. Um, in college, I uh, started a student organization for uh, like a TV station here in St. Edward's uh, in Austin, Texas. And because I saw there was uh, an opportunity for that, because a lot of kids go transfer out to UT because they have the uh, the film and television program, and we don't have anything like that. But we have because we we're a private school, everything's paid for, prepaid for. So we have all these media equipment, and we even have um, uh, like I don't what they do call it, the satellite for cable. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it, but we had that already paid for. So we had. Like, there was not a lot of investment needed to do that, so I was like, okay, there's this opportunity, and I really want to get my feet wet more into film. Um, I now would be television, so I didn't want to get more involved in production. So I, you know, kind of created this production team for uh, this TV station, and uh, for the last two years for me in school there, I, that's what I kind of worked my butt off for. Um, for those two years, really hard, and, and I learned, and that was my prerequisite for. No, now knowing that I want to start a production company, because now, because uh, back to the opportunity for people of color, there's not, there, like unless there's like this uh, vessel for us we're not like they need to somebody to keep churning out more things uh quality things for us to um be doing and i'm not just talking about black people i'm talking about like asian americans because um, i have a friend who is an asian actor and that that's a, that's another ballpark of like how um closed in her opportunity is so uh, i just have this dream um that i can get on the oprah level but oprah is not very in tune to like this like this world of film as she as she should be like her power should be a lot more um hand, hand um very even handed but I want to like take take it on of like let me keep creating this like keep let me help other people create things as much as uh I want I want my stuff out there but I want to make sure um media representation for um people who are who, whose voices are very or like voiceless basically message right now for me my life and i hope for other people listening is always seek opportunities where you least expect it. um there's moments where i mean i i there's this thing about people people the artists the artistic crew here in austin or just in general I've, i've noticed that people are always trying to value each other like what can you do for me kind of thing i don't i don't go by that rule i think about i think When I'm not searching for this new like, oh, you're gonna like you scratch my back and I scratch your back. I don't look for that anymore, or I never look for it. I I, every time I sit down and listen to a friend, and I would never know their story until. Like what you're doing right now. But I have a friend right now going through a lot of emotions and I'm listening to her story and I tell like journal everything you're saying right now. And I'm not saying because I want to benefit from it. And it only came maybe later on when she approached me about, hey, one day we should write this movie about this. I I, I kind of, it was like, oh, aha, yes, one day, one day. But right now go through, your, <laughs> go through your stuff right now. And eventually, like, so you have a really kick-ass story. Like we'll, be- we'll eventually like, get there.
0: The Talk Story team is Anthony McCoy, our audio engineer, Emilio Harrison, our graphic and web designer, Jacques Collimon, our photographer and videographer, Montenic Monroe, our guest photographer, and I'm Alec Brownridge, your host and producer. You made it. Welcome to the conclusion of Talk Stories Summer Season. The team will be taking a month-long hiatus. We will be back in November with inspiring, informing, and entertaining stories. Be on the lookout for our roundtable discussion at the end of September. Thank you all for your continued support. This has been a fantastic season, and we look forward to sharing new content with you all. We will see you soon. Mahalo.